got some money for me, boy? I've seen your name in our legend. You're a wanted man, Mr. Morgan. Maybe when your mother's finished mourning your father, I'll keep her in black on your behalf. We got lawmen in three different states after us. They chased us from the west, they chased us over the mountains. We need an extra gun. This place ain't no such thing as civilized. that I trust. Where's our money? Do you have my bag? Always, Dutch. Product not yet rated. Hello everybody and welcome back to the show. I am your host Adam Fortas and this week we have a very special episode. Here at Scientific Canada we're excited to announce that we are partnering with a new podcast. That's right, Gamer's Guide to Ecology. This is a podcast by Jesse Hahn and here let me just read you something that I wrote for it. Video games have come a long way since Pac-Man and q -Bert. If you're new to gaming, or still blowing on NES cartridges, you may be surprised by the fastidious detail and immersive experiences contained in modern video games. More than storyline and gameplay, many games craft intricate and thriving worlds that offer seemingly endless opportunities for exploration. From realistic depictions of the early American Wild West, that's what our little intro there was about, to alien water worlds, even post-apocalyptic hellscapes, the environments and ecology one can encounter can be anywhere from realistic to speculative to fantastical. So why not let ecologist Jesse Hahn be your guide? In this new podcast, Gamer's Guide to Ecology, Jesse Hahn takes you on a tour through some of the most beautifully crafted and compelling environments in gaming. So this episode, I'm talking to Jesse Hahn about Gamer's Guide to Ecology, uh, the first series is on Red Dead Redemption 2 and uh, yeah we talk about some of uh, some of their inspiration how they got to podcasting uh, path through grad school etc it's a it's a good one so stay tuned and here comes Jesse hello everybody and welcome back to the show I'm your host Adam and today I have a very special episode I say very special often but this is exceptionally very special because we have a guest and our guest has a brand new podcast um and it's a really cool one i am very excited to uh introduce you to jesse dahan hello hello uh just verifying i'll probably cut this part out dahan yep dahan exactly okay nailed it <laughs> welcome to the show jesse thank you so much for being here and uh thank you for recording such an interesting show. I can't wait to tell everybody about it. Thanks for having me. This is great. This is so exciting. Yeah. So Jesse is a recent grad or recent thesis submitter. Have you have you defended and done all of the the things that you need to do for that? Not quite done yet. I am in limbo between when I submitted 
the copy that I will defend and hearing about when I will defend. Um, so I'm still waiting for an external examiner to be assigned and I'm still waiting to hear what my date is, but I'm expecting within like four weeks from when I submitted. Excellent. So three quarters of an exhale, almost a full. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and you <laughs> are and are leaving Brock, Brock University. Is that? Uh... Yes. Excellent. Um, and the the big reason we have you on today is you have a, a new podcast that you're 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 you've started and have recorded and released and uh, are what four episodes deep into? Yep. Yeah, I just uh, published episode four this week. Um, it was a bit late because of my thesis thing, but now that it's uh, off the table, I have more time to uh, to spend on it, and it's it's been a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to continuing. Fantastic. Yeah. So gamers guide to Sorry, Gamer's Guide to Ecology. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, in my notes, accidentally wrote Gamer's Guide to Video Games. <laughs> but that's uh, not, not exactly right. Gamer's I don't Guide think to I'm qualified Ecolo- to speak on that. <laughs> well, you play games and uh, I'm sure you'd be a good guide. You stream on Twitch. Is that? Yeah. Okay. So you're qualified, but I feel like you're even more qualified for this. So tell me, tell me about the show, Gamer's Guide to uh, Ecology. So what, what do you talk about? Um, well, so basically I, um, I like to play video games and um, my master's degree is in ecology and evolution. And I, I just wanted to mash the two together. So um, what I do is I, I play popular um, open world games. I play uh, RPGs. And I, um, I talk about, you know, the in-game ecology uh, that's been modeled. So the series that I just wrapped was on uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, and if you've played that game, um, I'm sure you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I say, you know, biomes, different regions in the game. There's so many plants and animals that the developers modeled. Um, it's a super awesome game story-wise. Like uh, I cried at the end of it. I was so enthralled. Um, it's just like video games these days are just, are so incredible. They're, are, they're works of art. And um, for people like, especially during the pandemic, for people that had to stay at home um, and, you know, lived in the city and couldn't get out, uh, video games kind of turned into a way that people could explore the natural world. And Red Dead Redemption 2 is like one of the best games to be able to do that in because you have so much freedom. The storyline doesn't force you into anything. Um, and so I really enjoyed uh, going out into the into the world of the game and just exploring, you know, ecology and animal behavior. And uh, I just I had a blast with it. It was a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to continuing with um, my, the next series we're going to be doing is Subnautica. Um, so if you played Subnautica, it's, it's, um, a marine game it takes place on a, on a water planet basically. So I'm really looking forward to doing the same thing. That's so that sweet. One. So, so the, the gamers in the audience who are listening definitely know, uh, Red Dead. Um, but for my mom, who's probably listening to this podcast, this is like a, a Western, uh, game. So you're, you're basically a, uh, a cow poke riding around, um, my understanding is you could be a good person, could be a bad person. You could choose whatever you want, or you could just like be completely divorced from society. If you'd like, you can be a, a, a mountain person. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, 
so the the plot of the game follows this band of outlaws that are being chased by the law basically and and forced to conform to society but they don't want to um and if you choose to follow the plot there's some great adventures you can have with the gang if you choose not to and just become a mountain man um (laughs) that's there for you too um but it's uh, i mean if you've played grand theft auto and you know just how many side missions and stuff you can do in those games Mm -hmm. it's made by rockstar games as well so um you can get an idea of just how vast the world is by by just playing their other games um but yeah, Western, I, I personally, I don't, I didn't think I would be interested in the like gunslinging sort of Western style of gaming, but yeah, I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be partially or, or to a large extent, the open worldness. Um, certainly at the beginning of quarantine, some of the podcasts I listened to non-gamers, but uh, would get turned on to this game just to like go fishing. <laughs> a lot yeah, of people just- 100%. Like, I, I like the story, but for the last 20 hours or so, I've just been, you know, going out camping and <laughs> fishing and just exploring the world. Exactly. So, yeah. Like, what a great jumping off point uh, to to look at ecology and stuff. And and for this one, it's not fantastical or anything like that. Correct. It's it's pretty. Would you say that it's pretty accurate and pretty well, well put together um, to represent Earth as we know it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it is based on a fictional version of of the United States, or at least a portion of the United States that they do mention, you know, like New York, um, New York City. Um, but the region that the game takes place in doesn't have any has have any real areas to it. So um, so in that sense, it's fictional. But, um, you know, physics rules apply. If you jump off a cliff, you're going to fall. Um you crash your horse, you're going to fly off of it. Um, you know, no seatbelts on a horse. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's very much uh, earth-based, you know, physics as we know it game. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and as we keep saying, it's vast. So um, listening to your first episode, you mentioned that there are all sorts of biomes and um, you can get some snowy areas. Is that you can go up into the mountainish regions yep. and, and yeah. things. So you head north in the game, uh, and you find yourself in, uh, I guess, is supposed to be Alaska. Oh um, wow! Okay. Yeah, uh, or at least you know you're in, in the snowy parts, um, and then uh, you can sort of c- come down out of the mountains, and the snow melts, and you find yourself, you know, in a very temperate region. Uh, there, if you keep going south, you get to a desert. Okay. Um, if you head um, east. You, you get to a bayou, like a swamp, and then north of that um, is uh, like a temperate forest, sort of like, feels like old growth, and it's really cool. That's awesome. I guess whenever I think of like a, a Western movie or the Wild West, I just think, you know, tumbleweeds and stuff, so. Yep, no, they have that. <laughs> That's in there. Um, yeah, oh, it's yeah. just, you got to follow the story to get to it, because it's mm-hmm. off limits at the start of the game, but eventually... Yeah, for sure. You you can, you know, go into a saloon with the like swinging doors and <laughs> and oh, man, it's so great. That's sweet. And um, and so this is like a, a natural pairing between uh, the kind of things that you research and just your, your, your general interest uh, in gaming. Is that is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have always had an interest in plants and animals. Um, I couldn't decide, you know, how I wanted to pursue that interest professionally. 
Um, so I just decided to keep studying it and uh, ecology and evolution, doing field work um, outdoors, all those things mashed together into something that I was, uh, that I found an interest in. Um, and so pairing that with like my pastime with like what I do when I'm not doing grad school or what I do when I'm, when I'm not working is I play video games and these are the type of games that I play. And I think I play them, like I subconsciously played them because they had those things in them. And I didn't figure that out until recently. That's interesting. That makes sense. I, I think there's a lot of gamers out there that pick things that are like strategically crunchy and like, you know, are we'll get them on like the, the way that chess would get you or something. But then there's, now that video games look so nice, you're like you're not playing Pac-Man or something. You, you can actually like immerse yourself in, in this. And like, that's a completely other angle for people to come at it from. That's really neat. Um, and I mean, what a, what a great, you know, outlet while going through grad school, having some way to get out into nature, even if you have to be, you know, on campus the next morning or whatever. That's, that's great. Yeah. I mean, when I was working field work, um, I was doing, you know, 7am to 7pm outdoors, uh, in the middle of the summer. So when I came home, Mm. uh, my way to unwind was like sitting in the basement with my AC on, like exploring the outdoors of a video game so like i wanted to do stuff but i was so tired so uh-huh. you know, just hop on a horse and ride around i feel like there's a, a hidden lesson here for for undergrads that might be listening um one of the things that we we try to do on on my show when we talk to uh grad student researchers is try to help undergrad um science or whatever kind of students find a little bit of direction i i feel like a lot of people probably felt the way that you felt in like, I have some idea of things that I'm passionate about. I'd like to channel this into a career or some area of study. Um, so with that in mind, do you have sort of any, any recommendations for uh, say like a budding ecologist or somebody who, who likes plants and animals, wants to study them, but doesn't really know what to do um, in, in university? Um, I mean, I think I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, but my mantra in life is always just, you know, like, do what makes you happy. Because mm-hmm. um, if you enjoy it, then it doesn't feel like work. And I know that's a cliche thing to say, and people say it all the time. Um, but like, if you if you truly enjoy it, I mean, I don't enjoy editing my podcast, but I enjoy making it. <laughs> um, and so I, I, you know, I probably wouldn't be like, a, like an editor. Um, but yeah, I found... I found a mixture of things that I really like. Um, and I've been really fortunate to, to have um, the opportunities that I've had. Um, so I can't say that's the same for everybody, but if you, mm-hmm. if you're given an opportunity and you think that it'll lead to something like take a deep breath and jump in because you never know. Yeah. I feel like if you're in the right environment, like a university environment and you're looking at different things that you could try, Saying yes to a lot of stuff is probably a good place to start. Obviously, you can go overboard on saying yes to a lot of different things, but that's probably a good place to start. And then you can start, you know, winnowing down on on things that you're not super into. You learn things that you don't want to do. And, you know, you find you might find a research group or something that uh, you don't really know what they do. You spend a summer with them. Maybe that turns into something. Um, so you mentioned that we're, you're getting into the, the next, uh, 
not season, but the next uh, the next topic. Uh, yeah, like a short a, series, I guess. Yeah, it's a game I don't know too much about, but you said it's it's sort of water world based, um, above water, below water, and not water world the movie. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, so it is a um, so you crash on an alien planet, and the alien planet is almost entirely water. Um, so it takes place underwater. There is um, like the, you can go into the crashed spaceship that's above water in some spots. Um, and there's like one island that you can go to. Um, but the majority of the game is underwater. And so um, all of the animals and plants in the game are alien species. And basically nobody's been there before, or at least anybody who's gone there before hasn't survived. <laughs> so, so there's no record of anything. You know, you don't know whether stuff is poisonous. Um, you basically, you have to find a way to make fresh water, survive. It's a survival slash building game so if you think of Uh, okay if you think of minecraft but give it sort of like um you know smoother features more of uh more of a story um Mm -hmm. i call it minecraft for adults so (laughs) yeah it's a lot of fun sweet yeah that was going to be a a question i was going to ask if you were planning on sticking to um more realism based games and when i say realism i mean like based on earth type stuff or if you would dive into more speculative ecologies and stuff. Um, So this one would be definitely a speculative in that sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any, um, any experience with like xenobiology or anything like that. Right. (laughs) So um, what I plan to do is I just, I plan to apply the ecological concepts that I know about earth to, to these alien species. So, uh, for example, there's one, there's one species in the game that has, uh, like a giant eye, um, on either side of its head. Um, and so, you know, you think about like, why, why are its eyes so big? Um, and, uh, just stuff like that about, about how they might have evolved, um, right, right, know, through right. natural selection, what niche are they filling in the environment that, you know, their features make them suited to live there. So obviously it's beneficial to have large eyes. Um, mm-hmm. So just talk about stuff like that. Cool. I would guess the, the big eye guy got to be like a bottom dweller, dark dweller type thing. Uh, no, not necessarily. No? There are okay. some that live way down there, um, but there's usually plants around that biofluoresce. So there is light anyways. Um, but this species that I was talking about was, um, it's the bottom of the food chain. Like everything eats it. Um, so as a defense mechanism, it has large eyes as sort of like a, Uh, you know, I can see stuff from far, like I I have good visual perception. Um, if stuff comes close to me, I'm going to swim away. Okay. And like maybe one of those lenses, like those fisheye lenses that give you like a wide, um, peripheral type thing. Pun intended there for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. That that's the, yeah, I love that kind of thing. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I won't uh, read or watch any spoilers of the game. I'll, I'll just go into it blind via your show and then uh, maybe dig in after on my own, but uh, that's going to be sweet. I think um, if, if the idea of like exploring an alien world and not knowing what's dangerous and what's not appeals to you, this game is, is, terrifying but so exciting to play Mm. because you know you're swimming in the ocean a lot of people have fear of the ocean because of what's unknown and it's dark right like you can't see 
So you just be swimming along and you hear like a growl or like a noise and you're like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I guess I have, uh, I would be remiss not to ask um, if you've thought about uh, Pokemon ecology and whether as designed, it actually makes sense. Like would, would the environments, <laughs> can you have like a fire type Pokemon and have that just like exist in nature? They must you know, like there's got to be a way because if i recall from the anime um ash meets a ponyta and when when he goes to pet it it doesn't know him so he he gets burned by it um but later when the ponyta knows him he goes to pet it and it doesn't burn him so okay. something tells me that it's not actually fire unless they want it to be <laughs> interesting okay all right yeah I, I would just, I would be so worried about, you know, rampant forest fires or like yeah. wide scale burnings and things. If they're like isolated mean, to mountains and things. Squad. Like, you know, they got to go and put out forest fires. So I guess if everything is in balance, that's maybe the, the lesson, the takeaway here is if you, you have to have equal of, you know, both sides. Smart. I, I would love to do a Pokemon series um deciding which one to do would be very hard for me um because there are so many now like when i first got into gaming um i came into pokemon in like pokemon came out when you know i was around but i didn't get into it until third generation and at Mm. that point there were already like 450 pokemon and now there's over a thousand so like (laughs) i don't know them all (laughs) I would be scared to dip my feet in that only because I know that Pokemon is a huge thing for a lot of people. Um, but a lot there, of experts there, out there. Yeah, there was a game announced recently, um, Pokemon Arceus Legends, which is going to be an open world game. Um, so I got to do it. It's going to Yeah, that's right up your alley. That's yeah. That's exactly it. Maybe like a, a playthrough of, of Pokemon Snap. That might be. Yeah. A nice way to to jump in. Less battling, although the softer edged. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about you know pitting animals against each other in an arena style combat, but they 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 really insist that they like it. The the designers really (laughs) suggest that they love to do that. I mean, so one thing about Pokemon that I think is you know it's obviously a fantastical story. It's it's not a real uh, scenario at all. Uh, because organis- because ecosystems need microscopic organisms to survive. I mean, in Pokemon, there are trees, there are grasses. It's not just like the trees and grass are also Pokemon. They just mm-hmm. have they're just they're just not. They're regular trees and grass. And you know, you need you need fungi and you need bi- bacteria and stuff. So it's it, they don't ever explain that. It's always just like about Pokemon. But there's obviously smaller organisms and like bugs that aren't bug type Pokemon. <laughs> True, yeah. Fish market is not all magic carps and uh, goldines or whatever. Yeah. Those, oh man, it must suck to be just a regular animal living with <laughs> really bottom of the food chain there. Well, that's going to be a blast. I can't wait to to hear about the ocean. I can't wait to see what you do with Pokemon. I'm sure something is coming. I'm sure something is in the works. And uh and yeah, I guess exciting announcement. Um, if you like the idea of hearing about all this ecology, um, you can just keep listening to the radio and, uh, and you'll, you'll be hearing Jesse 
as as episodes come out uh, we'll we'll give you some heads up uh yeah so we're probably getting close to time um thanks so much for being here and uh thanks so much for for putting together such a cool show um i'd like to to throw to uh a clip from your episode just to to give people a little send off uh this is this is a clip from uh the red dead series so this is the 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 wild wild west and uh and yeah take take a little listen Hey there, I'm Jesse D, a master's student in ecology and evolution and an open world RPG gamer. Welcome to the first episode of my new podcast called Gamer's Guide to Ecology, where I play popular open world RPGs from an ecological perspective. On today's episode of Gamer's Guide to Ecology, I dive into topics like biodiversity, animal behavior, evolution, and the impacts of characters on in-game environment. You can follow along with my playthroughs on twitch.tv slash justjessyd on Thursday and Friday nights from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This month I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2, published by Rockstar Games in 2018. The game is a gunslinging adventure that follows a group of outlaws in a fictional version of the dwindling Wild West in the early 1900s. I have to say that this game is absolutely beautiful. It's an open-world RPG that's vast and full of different ecosystems, each with their own plants and animals. This game features realistic weather changes, a day and night cycle, and different areas of the map even have different climates. The southeast is hot and humid, while the southwest is hot and dry. The north is cold, and it's snowy in the mountains, just like in the real Rocky Mountains of Canada and the western United States. In ecology, a large-scale terrestrial environment characterized by a particular climate and dominant plant life is called a biome. Today I want to talk about the biomes in RDR2 and give both in-game and real-world examples of plants and animals found there, as well as the effects of human activity on those biomes. To wrap up, I'll tell you my favorite parts of the game and give Red Dead Redemption 2 an overall rating. The game's primary biome is a mountainous ecosystem that's similar to the boreal forest. In real life, the boreal forest is a cold climate terrestrial biome that is dominated by evergreen conifers and covers most of northern Canada. Conifers, in contrast to deciduous trees, are trees that have cones and needles and don't lose their leaves in the winter. Large mammals such as wolves, moose, deer, and bears can be found here, in addition to squirrels, rabbits, and raccoons. All of these animals and more are found in the in-game biome. Unlike real life, where extensive mining and forestry are common in the landscape, the in-game biome is mostly untouched by human activity. The next most prominent biome is the temperate grassland. This biome is dominated by grasses and wildflowers, and is characterized by wide open areas with few trees. The temperate grassland spans much of the central United States and the Canadian prairies. Herd animals like deer, pronghorn, sheep, and introduced horses roam here in-game. Bison herds also graze here, but you can see the effects that overhunting by pioneers has had on their population. In real life, bison were hunted to such extremes that they nearly became extinct on the plains, but now they're slowly being reintroduced into this biome to help rescue the species. Another large biome is the temperate forest. The temperate forest is dominated by deciduous trees and a high rate of precipitation. The biome has plants like ferns, mushrooms, and moss on the forest floor. Deer, rats, squirrels, foxes, and bears are found here. These plants and animals are also modeled in the in-game biome. Just like in real life, this biome is heavily logged by humans, and the effects of habitat loss are noticeable, with many felled trees and deforested areas in-game. Nowadays, there's only 2% of the original area of old-growth forests left in western North America. Finally, there's an expansive desert biome. Deserts are characteristically dry and hot, and animals are sparse here during the day since it's so hot. To avoid the heat of the day, animals come out at night to forage for food. This behavior helps them stay cool and conserve water. 
Plants common to the desert biome have special evolutionary adaptations to protect them from evaporative water loss, which is when water evaporates out of a plant's leaves. These adaptations include small leaves, waxy tissue, or a dense covering of hairs. Some plants even have defensive features to protect their water stores, like a cactus with their thorns. As for animals, lizards, snakes, and bighorn sheep roam here, both in-game and in real life. Because deserts are largely inhospitable to humans, they remain relatively intact in-game and out. I want to wrap up today by sharing one of my favorite moments that I witnessed in this game. One time when I was fishing, I discovered that fish that I caught from a certain lake had chemical burns and showed signs of poisoning. I followed a stream that drained into the lake up to an abandoned mine and found that chemicals were leaking from the mine into the waterway. I really feel like the game designers did a great job of depicting the effects of human activity on the natural environment. In ecology, we call these effects anthropogenic disturbances. All in all, Red Dead Redemption 2 is a fantastically beautiful game that realistically depicts complex anthropogenic disturbances on plants and animals at a landscape scale. For all of that, I highly recommend Red Dead Redemption 2 and give it 5 stars. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, please like and review it on whichever platform you're listening today. Your support means that I can buy more open-world RPG games and keep making episodes about in-game ecology. Theme music is called Rain Song by Brett Eagleston, and you can hear more of his music at bretteagleston.bandcamp.com. Hey there, I'm Jesse D, a master's student in ecology and evolution and an open-world RPG gamer. Welcome to the first episode of my new podcast called Gamer's Guide to Ecology, where I play popular open-world RPGs from an ecological